So, you know, Brian, as I've been processing through even the, the COVID season and just in my own mind, how it's different from like the physical loss of someone in my life and compare that to the loss of freedom and other things that have kind of come through the, the COVID season. Part of it is, you know, even with my dad passing, it, it's a final event. And now I can look forward to, you know, ideally decades from now, I'll still still be living for decades to come, but I know that I'll see him one day. There's almost like an order and a structure to that. Um, through the, the COVID season, though, it, it feels as though partially because I think it's open-ended, that it, it's different in my mind and I feel mm -hmm. different about it. If somebody would come to me and say, listen, the, the pandemic's going to be over on May the 1st, well, then I could work towards that goal and I would know that it would be over and away we would go. But mm -hmm. it's different when there's this sometimes feeling like there's a never-ending you know, day that's going to come. Uh, how do you how do you speak into that, even for our own hearts, to be able to process through uncertainty, and then to be able to help walk others through that same uncertainty? Yeah, that's a really good question, and I don't have a really good answer. <laughs> I really don't, because but I know what you're saying. Um, I think one of the things that does occur to me, and I could be wrong, okay, but we like a predictable world. Hmm. We like things that are predictable. And the reason we like them predictable is because that gives us the illusion of control. Yeah. <laughs> and so if I knew this, in, then, then I know how to handle it and then I know how to manage it. And part of what I, you know, even, even whether how it's doing church or how I'm structuring my social life, I don't know. I mean, I can make plans, but it's more like a wish list because it could change tomorrow the, the freedom to do it. I think one of the things that it 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 exposes is probably the best word in us is this demand for control. Mm. We are absolutely utterly committed to being in control. Yeah. I mean, I've Sharon and I have had the opportunity to do marriage seminars for Promise Keepers over the years, and um, you know, one of the things I'll ask couples to do, just as a sort of a fun little thing, is you know, if you've got a piece of paper and a pen, just you know, answer these two questions, and or one question, you know, and um, you know, if you want to write it down, you fine, but um, if you don't, that's okay too. Here's the question: Is your spouse controlling? Do you believe your spouse is controlling? Okay, now share it with your spouse after. You know, and they're all, go you can see them all go, you think I'm controlling like you're the one that's, <laughs> you know what, they're all right. Because we want to be in control. Yeah. And the fact that I don't know when this is gonna end and I don't know when I can plan this, yeah. I don't know when, I don't like that. Yeah. And so t realizing that there is a, someone who's sitting on the throne who's sovereign, mm -hmm. he knows. Yeah. So Lord, I mean, I think it takes more faith to be willing to abandon what I, I would like to him yeah. and say, whatever you will, I'm, I'm, I'm in. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, Lord, right now I'm not really liking it. Yeah. Yeah. Some of it, I wonder, is even just misaligned expectations, you know, where we expect that, again, even as Christians, obviously we pray towards the ends of COVID ending and we pray that sure. people, you know, in, into all of those things. And so there's a bit of, okay, Lord, what exactly are you doing in the midst of all of this? Mm -hmm. And um, 
you know, where are the opportunities that in the midst of this season that maybe seems like it's loss, it's not as though God's wringing his hands in heaven. He doesn't know what to do. He's got yeah. a plan and a purpose. Right. And I wonder if part of it isn't just us realigning our expectations for what his expectations are. It makes me think of the, you know, the disciples where they had this expectation that Jesus was going to establish an, an earthly kingdom, right? Mm-hmm. Well, they were way off, but he was doing something. Right. So I wonder if in, in the same way it's, you know, in our times that we're booking with Jesus to, you know, process through the issues of life, whether we're, you know, devoting enough time to actually being quiet and listening and yeah. saying, Lord, what are you doing? And what would you have me to do? Whether, I wonder if we, we could even find more purpose in our days as opposed to feeling like this has all just been a big waste of time and I've been locked in my house. Like yeah. there's, you know, drilling into, what do you have for me right now, Lord? Right. Yeah, totally. I, 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 I agree with you hundred percent. I mean, it's, one of the problems, I think, as believers oftentimes, and it's too bad because, um, you know, I think it's central to who we are. We don't, we're not asking the Lord sometimes what the bigger story is about, what the larger story is about. Yeah. We're so wrapped up in our little part of the, the play, the story, that we don't see the bigger story. And sometimes this, that that sort of is exposed in us that, We've got, we're too myopic. We're just mm-hmm. looking at the little story, but there's a bigger story going on. And, you know, even you know, I've been asking the Lord, what are you doing? <laughs> like, you're doing something. This is not an accident. It's not like it caught you unawares. What are you doing? Yeah. You know, what's the shakeup that's happening in our society and in the church and in, you know, in the lives of believers and me included? What's going on? What are you trying to, what's the, what's the message here? Yeah. And I think even being able to do that and talk about it with other believers who are of that same sort of mindset, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, like Brian, with the um, uh, the the idea that you know that the world's getting shaken up a little bit, you know, and those types of things. But the reality is, is we we personally are also going through our own shakeups. And when we come to understand, like you're saying, that a lot of it comes down to. Um, we like to be in control. We like to manage things. We like to, you know, have it set in motion. Then it goes our way. Yeah. Um, you know, Pastor Jim commented on just the, these these expectations, even unmet expectations. I find oftentimes um, it's frustration that kind of comes out of the unmet expectation. I haven't told anybody this is what I expect. Um, so therefore, this is what you should be doing, but don't know. But in all of that... Um, how much does that uh, uh, kind of have a play on our own psyche that that starts to uh, starts to move into other areas such as anger and you know just kind of angst and worry and those types of things that are prevalent right, right now a lot of um, domestic violence has gone up like there's different things that that have surfaced as a result of these very things maybe people haven't recognized them. Here we are saying this is actually a good portion of it. Um, what, what, what about those types of things? How, how else does it affect us? And what can we do about that? <clears throat> I mean, yeah, good question. And I think, again, what it comes back to is, you know, we use the word expectations. You know, we do it a lot. I'm going to suggest it. And I, if I have an expectation of someone and they don't do it, I'm going to be really disappointed. But if, I, if I've switched it over into the category of a demand, then I'm going to be ticked off. Hmm. Yeah. 
But it sounds way better to say I have an expectation than I have a demand. Mm -hmm. Because <laughs> that's the way I want to see myself. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like, you know, the, the analogy of uh, backyard. You know, your backyard's really nice and, you know, you keep it well and it's landscaped and everything else. But the next door neighbor is a slob and it's, you know, it's, you know old tires and fridges and, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. You can have an expectation that since he's living in a nice neighborhood like you are, that he should keep it up. But if you start getting really frustrated, and most people would probably, because they want him to fix up his yard. Mm -hmm. Well, and unfortunately, God gave him the right, the freedom and the privilege to be an idiot and have a messy yard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so. It, it's, it's true. Um, but with that, then, you're talking about freedoms and we're talking mm -hmm. about rights, yeah. you know, in that sense. And with COVID, a lot of what we would say would be our freedoms and our rights have been either removed or set off to the side, even if for a season, um, for some, they go, yeah, we'll never get it back. Um, that, that part of it, like, is there anything that you'd say towards that aspect of how we handle freedoms and how we handle rights and our perceptions of those things? Yeah, again, I would probably encourage people to, you know, have their conversation with, with, with the Lord yeah. and, and yeah. you know, Lord, is that too important to me? Yeah. Is that, you know, was the fact that I was able to go to, I mean, and we all know this is good. We, you know, the Bible tells us to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together because it's nice to sing together and all that kind of stuff. But if my faith depends on that, there's something wrong. Mm. <laughs> it has to be on Christ. Mm. Yeah. And that's, that's the, I need water to live. Yeah. But I like Diet Coke. I like Coke Zero. I do. I like it. I like the bubbles. I like the taste. I like everything about it. But I can't live on Coke Zero. Yeah. I could live on water, though. Yeah. And all of, the, all of the stuff that we've lost is all of the Coke Zero of life. Yeah. It's a great analogy. <laughs> and it, it's taken away, it, it's disappointing. I mean, I've been in, in, you know, abroad and you couldn't get Coke Zero. <laughs> you know, that was pretty disappointing. Yeah. But I had water, which was really good because I was in the desert. Yeah. <laughs> but the bubbles would have been good. Yeah. But, you know, and I think that's what happens in a time like this when we go through a crisis, uh, you know, something like this pandemic. It exposes stuff in us that God wants to work on. Because mm. that's the only way he can get our attention sometimes in our... That's a great point. <laughs> in this comfortable culture that we live in. Mm. I had the opportunity to do some teaching in Ethiopia at a Bible college there. And uh, there was a, a mature student there. And, you know, and I, I didn't know the story of how it happened. But he was one of the older ones, so I gravitated towards him because he kind of reminded me of my experience. Mm. So I said to him as we were, you know, separating, because I spent a couple of, you know, time, a couple of hours with him, just chatting, visiting, getting to know him. And I said, look, I said, I just want you to know I'm going to pray for you. And uh, he said, I'm going to pray for you too. Hmm. I said, what are you going to pray for me? He said, and this was going back, it's probably, I don't know how many years, when's... When did we, the Riders, win the Grey Cup? Uh, 2013. Against the Bombers, yeah, 2013. Oh, yeah, that, maybe even earlier. Yeah. yeah. He said, I'm going to pray for persecution and hardship. Oh, my. I said, thanks. How come you don't like me? He said, that's what the North American church needs. Hmm. <laughs> because they're too comfortable, hmm. and they're slumbering, and they're lazy. Hmm. And he said, 
I think that's the only way God will shake it up. Mm -hmm. I wish I could find him now and tell him to stop. <laughs> but I think that's what we're going yeah. through. I'll, I'll admit for me, um, it's, it's painful when God wants to point something out of my I life. Know. I, don't, I don't like it. Um, just because we're pastors hmm. d d doesn't mean that we're exempt from that stuff. Like God points things out in our lives too. I know. Yeah. Um, but it's painful. And, um, but yet having to deal with those things. But I think natural response, I know my natural response is to kind of push that aside. Now we'll look at that another time, right? And so then we kind of get into this coping space mm -hmm. and we do other things to try to either avoid it or cope. Right. right, with where we're at. So even with COVID and the loss of so much that that um, that we found comfort in, I guess I could say, mm -hmm. um, uh, what 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 are some of the in, in terms of what you see, some of the unhealthy ways that uh, that we find ourselves so-called coping, um, and then what are some healthy ways that we can actually. Um, you know, move ourselves towards, like even practical things. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I think just about everything that is pleasurable becomes a coping mechanism if that's what works to ease my pain. Because mm -hmm. uh, we are absolutely committed to not being in pain. In other words, when, when I get hurt, physically or whatever, I mean, you know, I use the example, the first time I used a hammer and nail, I hit the wrong nail. Man, did that hurt. Done that before. Yeah. So I learned how to, you know, at least make it feel a little bit better right away. Yeah. And then the other decision I made was, how can I avoid this pain in the future? Well, I had a little brother and I got him to hold the nail. <laughs> Problem solved, right? <laughs> we do the same thing in the, in the relational, personal realm. How can I get rid of this pain? And we do it and don't realize that it's causing us problems. So I remember, you know, my own life being in seminary and I was away from my, my wife and family for four days a week. And I had a, an apartment on campus and... And I had a pretty regimented sort of schedule because I didn't want to do any homework or studying when I was, you know, home on the weekend. And so, uh, you know, I'd go leave class, get back to my apartment, uh, do a little bit of study reading. Then I'd cook dinner, make dinner, and then get back, hit the books again till 10 o'clock. About 8 o'clock or 8.30, I'd find myself at the fridge. I want it because I was lonely. I went to the fridge to ease my pain. Mm. I didn't go to the Lord. Mm. Yeah. I had more control of going to the fridge. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Apparently, it's still a problem. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And least, I know at, that's at least the fridge provides <laughs> right away. <laughs> I'm in. It, there's an immediacy to it, mm. and I like that. Yeah. 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 At least the TV provides. At least exactly right yeah. for sure. Wow. I know how to ease my pain. That's a good point. I don't have to go and talk to Jesus about it. Mm. I don't have to go to, and uh, you know, to say, Lord, I'm really hurting right now. I'm really struggling. I'm really lonely, and I wish you were sitting here with me. It would be a whole lot easier. But I know that you can walk through this with me, in spite of the fact that it hurts like crazy. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's really interesting that Jesus, you know, God and the flesh, you know, he comes down and he chooses 12 men. And one of the, one of the passage accounts says they, he picked them so that they could be with them mm. and to get them to teach them, to train them, yeah. to be with them. Yeah. 
Yeah. I, I love what you said earlier that uh, when you're reading through scripture, you don't see a whole bunch of counseling techniques that Jesus used. But the one, the one thing that he did all the time was he was with them. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah. He, he loved them. Mm -hmm. He was with them. Yeah. Right? And you just see that repeated all the way through scripture. It's, yeah. it's, it's so powerful. He wants to be so much a part of our life and we have... We've compartmentalized our life. Mm. We have, I, I think, and you know, and particularly in this, in our culture, you know, you go to some third world countries, and <clears throat> excuse me, they have, um, you know, they they have their own struggles, but they're not struggling to to put a put a meal on the table. Mm. You know, some people are doing that here, but not many. Let's face it, in comparison. Yeah. We've got, really got it easy in lots of ways, and so we can we can go to alternative sources of of pain relief mm -hmm. and not realize that that's what we're doing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We don't have to sit down or you know walk along and Lord, I'm really struggling right now. I need you. Yeah. I need I need this or that whatever. Yeah. Talking to him about it, we don't yeah. do that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, especially as we walk again through the pandemic season, you would you'd know that the right answer should be that as Christians, that we should be responding different than those who are yeah. non-Christians. But I wonder, just with all that we've talked about, whether we as Christians sometimes just have different coping mechanisms that we've determined kind of seem less sinful, but, mm -hmm. they're, but they're nevertheless kind of equally focused on ourselves or focused on things that we can control rather than on, on Christ. I mean, you would think that one of the, the benefits of the pandemic season of not sort of being on the road as much and not being out doing things, well, shouldn't that make more time just for you to be able to spend with the Lord? But do we actually do it, you <laughs> right. know? Or do we find ourselves gravitating to Netflix or gravitating mm -hmm. to other things, other projects right. that we kind of busy ourselves with other things as opposed to seeing, okay, in the midst of this less than ideal set of circumstances in the world, okay, Lord, how can I reset my relationship with you in this, in this moment? Right. And to not continue to unearth new coping mechanisms. Some of them, I think, are just, you know, straight up just being angry at it or being angry at the people who are locking us down and, you know, right. those sorts of things, as opposed to saying, okay, Jesus, I've actually got some more time. Mm -hmm. I want to figure out ways. And, and, of course, the right answers are read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow. But, you know, what are the things that we can actually be, you know, making cognizant decisions where we're saying, Okay, I'm going to I'm going to make good use of this time that I've that I've got with you, and yeah. to your point, you know, not go to the fridge, but to go to the go to the bread of life, you know, instead. Yeah, it's uh, you know, I, early on in the pandemic, I you know had a conversation. I I have a coffee with the Lord in the morning. You mm. know, I just talk to Him as I've I've read some scripture, and I just talk to Him in my own mind, and mm. and I said, Lord, you know, I'm 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 killing pain here. And that's not what I want. I said, when this is over, I want to be able to say my relationship with you is deeper. Hmm. Well, then it'll be worthwhile. Yeah. Then it'll be worthwhile. Hmm. Yeah. And if I can't say it's better, I've blown it. Hmm. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, because we're we're kind of drawn towards positive outcomes, aren't we? Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, and we really get affected by negative outcomes. Mm -hmm. yeah. But if our mindset towards all of this is it's a negative and it's a negative outcome and we can't see the positive in it or the, the outcome that could you know be a result of it right then we really get rocked yeah yeah, 
Yeah. So, so walk us through that just very specifically for yourself. When you say you want to be better coming out of the end of this thing, uh, I don't want to put you on the hot seat to say <laughs> how much better are you now than 10 months ago, but you know, are there things that you can say that coffee time with the Lord that turned into, like just talk us through what that looks like. What my, I was talking to another a good friend of mine, another pastor in town, we're having a coffee and we meet regularly to just to encourage each other. And my statement to him is probably reflective of, uh, I know it's reflective of my heart. I want, I want a relationship with Christ that it would be like it would be in a relationship with another buddy. Okay? And I don't mean that in a demeaning way. But I've had, you know, I, I've had friends. I still do, I think. But, you know, you go away with a buddy of yours, and whether it's going to a, another city or, you know, another province and go golfing or fishing or whatever. Sometimes he's talking, sometimes I'm talking, sometimes it's just silent. And, you know, you're maybe listening to the radio or whatever. That's the kind of relationship I want with Jesus. That he's walking through it. So I'm, I, I guess what I'm tr trying to say is I'm trying to be more intentional in acknowledging his presence with me. Mm. So, you know, do, am I doing a good job of it? No. <laughs> am I doing a better job than I was a number of months ago? Yeah, I am. Yeah. And I want to come out of this so that it's really, I'm talking to him as if he were, we was sitting in the shotgun, right? I'm yeah. driving. He, yeah, yeah. So I, that's kind of my play, my yeah. perspective. But, well, um, and I almost said it tongue in cheek earlier, and I didn't mean it to sound demeaning. But you know, read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow. But. I think what you've just described for us is you're really talking about prayer. I mean, that yeah. ongoing conversation with the Lord. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I think back to your, your comment about compartmentalization. I think even when it comes to things like prayer, we have it locked down into, I'm going to go to such and such a place. I'm right. going to stay for such and such amount of time. And I'm going to pray for such and such a, uh, you know, types of things. Right. As opposed to the model you're more speaking to of that kind of ongoing conversation with the lover right. of our soul, right? Yeah. yeah. I think really that's good. what he wants. Yeah. You know, it's the same as it's the same as your relationship with your wife. I mean, you're, you're you know, or, or a husband, but you, you, you go on a trip or you're driving, you're not talking all the time and you're not listening all the time, um, but you're, it's just good to be together and share it. Mm -hmm. And you, oh, you know, like I'll sometimes at home, I'll go out to the kitchen and I look out and there's a beautiful sunset and I'll say, hey, Sharon, come look at the sunset. It's gorgeous. If I could include and say, gee, Lord, Jesus, thanks for the gift of that beautiful sunshine. Yeah. Because he's the one that gave it to us. Yeah. That's the kind of relationship I'd like. And it, it feels like I have to be more intentional because I don't see him physically. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, if I come out of this thing and that's... And I'm not actually looking at him face to face, <laughs> but I'm actually—it's the way it is now. Then yeah. it'll be a, been a good season of my yeah. life. Well, and those are the sorts of things that uh, no lockdown can take that away from you, right? Like the sunset's still going to be the sunset. There's still going to be a million things every day that if we kind of take a step back and we, you know, count our blessings, that there are a million of those things that are almost 
conversation starters with the Lord. Sure. Um, I think sometimes, and even probably in this conversation, we focused a little bit more on the taking our needs to him, very important, but mm-hmm. also just taking our, thank you for being my friend. Thank right. you for, you know, that those, those conversation pieces where we're um, having them spring from thankfulness. Right. Yeah, uh, even in the midst of not being able to gather together in a, a church together, it doesn't mean that I can't gather together with the Lord, right? right? Like he's... Mm-hmm. It's never going to bail on us. Absolutely. So, so yeah, I think there's that's gold. Yeah, yeah Brian. Just quick before um, before we close up sure. here, um, uh, what would you say to those who, uh, when they see someone um, who's really struggling through this time, and uh, and would like to approach them, but not quite sure how to approach them, um, want to be there for them in the same way that we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. And um, wants to be an encouragement, but isn't quite sure of what's the best approach to to take in that respect. If someone's kind of already pulled themselves away, isolated themselves, reclused themselves um, in an unhealthy manner, um, is, what would you say to to those ones who genuinely want to reach out and help? Yeah, I mean, I think. My encouragement would probably be to approach that individual and say, look, how can I be helpful to you? What would be a blessing to ask you? Ask the question. Ask, just ask. Like, okay. Put the responsibility on them to tell you. Don't, try and, don't spend a whole lot of time trying to figure it out. Right. Like, you know, that's, yeah. not, that's their life. They're the ones that have to... You don't, and, and, and one of the things that i got to be careful about, or they have to be careful about, is not coming to the point where they're carrying the burden of life for those people. I can't. That's not my job. That's their job to carry. We all have our own burden of life, mm-hmm. and we all have to carry it. And when somebody's going through something really out of the ordinary, like they've lost somebody or they've lost you know, something major, then I want to come alongside and, and support them to get them to the place where they can continue to carry on and walk the burden. Yeah. Walk life carrying their own burden, yeah. but not carry it for the rest of their life. Exactly. It's, you know, I'm not. That's not my job. That's not supposed yeah, to be. That's great. That's great. So whatever I can do to do that. Yeah. So with that, we we want to close with a word of prayer mm-hmm. for people. And that was that's great advice. Just even as we close here, it's not it's not your burden to carry um, for someone else. Um, we have our own to carry, right. but to reach out and to ask those questions and make ourselves available. Yeah. Um, but all. Ultimately, so that we all know that the Lord is available for every single one of us. And, and he is um, basically saying, come to me. Those are his words in scripture. Come to me and I will give you rest. And if we can rest in that today. So uh, we're just going to close in a word of prayer as we wrap this up. And thank you so much, Brian, for being here and just sharing your heart and sharing your counsel with us. Okay. Heavenly Father. I thank you that uh, that in the midst of the grieving that we go through and the changes and the life challenges that we walk through, uh, Jesus, that you are so present with us. And mm-hmm. uh, even in those moments where maybe we don't always recognize it, would you open our hearts to help you, us see you in those moments, in those places of our life. For anyone who is truly, genuinely struggling and perhaps watching this, um, we would pray, I pray right now that 
you would minister into that heart, into yeah. that life, and you would bring healing and you would bring hope. And uh, Lord, that you would restore and that your presence would be made known in the name of Jesus. I just want to encourage you that if you are walking through something really difficult, not quite sure where to turn, um, uh, go to Brian. Um, he's available. Come to us. We're available. Uh, you can call into our church um, church office or number or the counseling center where Brian works. And um, uh, we would love to um, help you through and walk with you to help you find a place of healing and a place of restoration in your own life. <laughs>